you guys. Let's do it. Hi everyone, my name is Tegan Wakabayashi and you're listening to Yellow Glitter, Mindfulness Through the Eyes and Soul of a Gay Asian. Every episode, I share with you what's on my mind or things I'm struggling with and how I'm working through it to help you live a more mindful, fabulous life. In this episode, I talk about death. And if you are adverse to hearing about death, I recommend you to skip this episode. In this episode, I talk a little bit about my experience with death, advice on if you're getting over death, how to be more present, and what are some lessons that we can learn from death. And this isn't meant to be a sappy story about death either. This is really some insights that I have learned. Kind of what has been inspiring this conversation, for me at least, has been based on all of the stuff that's been happening this past few weeks. We have the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter last week that shook the world. Death tolls from the coronavirus currently at 427 people around the world. And what inspired me in particular was because this hit pretty close to home as well. Last week, one of my friends that I had known from San Diego had just recently passed away a few days ago by a seizure in his own home. He was fairly young, beautiful, successful, and had so much ahead of him. And we often take ourselves and our lives for granted all the time. And these things can happen any minute, any day. He was getting ready for work and ended up getting a seizure and falling down and not getting up again. And when it comes to our lives, we often say to ourselves, you know, I'm going to do that someday in the future. I'm going to do all of these things when I retire. I'm going to move to that new city someday, one day, when I get enough money, when I get with that person, and when I get that deal. And I'm going to maybe commit to a relationship if the other person's committed to me for at least a few years, five years, ten years. And at the end of the day, our time on earth is never guaranteed. And as good as we may be to ourselves by saving money, staying healthy, when we sacrifice our present moment for the future that isn't guaranteed, we take a gamble each and every single day. From a young age, death was quite a familiar guest in my house. My father died when I was seven years old. I had a childhood best friend die when I was 18. And what really shook me was when my hometown friend died when I was 22. And each time it happened in my life, it was really jarring. And the first few deaths, I had a really, really tough time coping. When my father had died when I was seven years old, I acted out for many years afterwards. I was a terrible, terrible student, and I was such a brat to my mom. So sorry, mother. I just didn't care anymore. I went to school, didn't do any homework. I would show up not having studied the test. And looking back, I am very shocked by how indifferent I was around my studies. And looking back, I just have so much compassion for little Stephen. And this was a phase that lasted throughout middle school. I, yeah, I had a really tough time processing it. And it wasn't until I had a very tough relationship 
up until 2021, I think it was. And then we ended up breaking up and I ended up going to a therapist. I jumped between different therapists actually to find one that resonated with me. The first few just really, really didn't resonate. And then I ended up with a therapist in San Diego that really took the time and the patience to work with me. And I was suicidal. I was depressed. I had gone through a lot. And I think he understood. He saw something in me. And not only did he help me process my relationship issues, but also all of these debts. And I think even afterwards, years and years afterwards, I feel some of the trauma still coming up, especially with my father's passing. And all throughout college, I bottled it in. I was trying really, really hard to go to medical school. I was pre-med. I was a physiology and neuroscience major. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything I do now. And I had my dreams set on fulfilling the things that I was told to by everyone around me, the Asian community. And I kept doing this until my friend, my hometown friend, someone I had grown up with, ended up passing away when I was about 22, I think. He ended up moving back home to West Covina. It was a very conservative hometown back then. Nobody was out and ended up uh, committing suicide, which I really related with. I was really unhappy while I lived at home and I always thought it was just me. And somehow in his death, all of my pains and anguish seemed to be validated and I felt heard, unfortunately in that instance and i am typically one to put everyone in front of me and like how i prioritize medical school to make my family proud and make them happy i also when my friend had passed away i wanted to figure out how to prioritize him as well and so when he died i vowed to do the things that i wish he had done and I was in San Diego at the time and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I was getting very comfortable with the salary job and I was planning my life ahead of me in San Diego and I had this inkling to adventure out to see what the world was like but I had a very tough time to challenge myself to think otherwise but when my friend had passed it just it just really shook me and I took it upon myself to live the life that was true and honest to myself because I had wished that he had done that as well. And so as a part of that, I just packed two suitcases. I quit my job, moved my stuff from San Diego to my mom's place in Los Angeles, and I just went to New York with no job, nothing. And the rest is history. Things worked out. It was very difficult at first, but I wouldn't have done it if it weren't for him. And it was really also to remember him. And I thought that if I could live my life inspired by him and his actions, that he would still continue living on. And what I've come to realize now is that when people leave us, it is only their physical body that leaves us. Their soul manifests itself through the memories we share and actions we take. And in that remembrance, it makes 
people more tangible and more present. In Buddhism, there's this concept of impermanence. Everything is always changing. What we see one second is never what it is the next second. We are never who we are the next second. The plants we see, the sky we see, the person we see, it is not what it was a second ago. And in Buddhism, there are two types of impermanence, gross and subtle. The obvious changes in life, like death, trees falling over, walls cracking and falling down, they call these gross changes. Gross changes are obvious. And a gross change is also if I compare myself to when I was one year old and I put two photos side by side. Obviously, they are extremely different and I am recognizing a gross change. But on the flip side, we have a subtle change. And this is something that is not so obvious. These are the baby steps that happen every single micro millisecond that gets us to these gross changes. These are occurring all the time, every single mini, 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 mini second. And so with that, what we see this immediate second, this other second now, is never really the same exact thing. And if we think about, for example, a wall falling apart, right? Let's just say we built a house and the gross change we observe is maybe in 10 years. The wall crumbles, it falls apart. But when did that change happen, right? And so in Buddhism, they have this practice where they try to pinpoint where this change has occurred. And so they go, okay, when did the wall crack, right? Did it crack 10 years in? Did it crack five years in? Where did it happen? And you could try to pinpoint all of these instances when maybe you got a little hairline crack or maybe the wall started drying out. But when did it officially start breaking down, right? It happens through these subtle changes, these eedy-beedy weeny changes that happen every single micro nanosecond and they ladder up to these much larger changes which ends up with walls falling apart trees falling down and people dying the body undergoes subtle changes all the time our cells are reproducing but also dying our dna strands are replicating but also replicating poorly, sometimes creating cancer cells. And when we take a look at our body as a whole, what we are one second is never exactly the next second. One, two. And during those two moments, we are completely two different people. Perhaps really subtly, but two different people. And ultimately, in due time, these subtle changes will form into a permanent growth state of death. And so why do they teach these things? Why do they want to teach us about subtle versus gross? And it is because of two things. The first thing is to let go of what is, right? The practice of impermanence. Since things are always in flux, never permanent, why exhaust ourselves holding on to something that is impermanent? if everything's impermanent, why hold on to the way we look when we know that we are aging every single millisecond with every breath we take? Why hold on to the relationships with people we all know and recognize that are also changing biologically every second, physically, but also mentally? And if they want to stay with us, sure. But there's no point in trying ever to force someone to stay because they are also changing. 
And when we think about things that are so permanent, like buildings, concrete walls, cars, these things also age over time and will weather and fall apart by itself. And although they might have a much longer lifespan than maybe a single human per se, there is a change that's happening, whether it is through rusting, whether it is falling apart, crumbling, there is a change occurring. And when it comes to any physical object, it will never be forever. If there is something that we have that breaks down on our watch, it was bound to happen through subtle and gross changes anyway. And so in practice of letting go what is, it is to recognize that any physical thing that is around us will never be there forever. And so when we look at food, when we look at electronics, and when we look at people around us, it is to let go of who they were right now, this immediate second, one, and to be present with them at two, and to recognize where they are at. And the next practice is this letting go of thoughts. Thoughts are also impermanent. The upset, the sadness, the pain, whatever it is, or a breakup, or a passing, these emotions too shall pass. But this also applies to our other emotions like rage, jealousy, envy, the feelings that come up when we are faced with experiences that don't align with us, these too shall pass. If we are waiting in line and we become impatient, enraged, upset, and perhaps someone had cut in front of you, by holding on to these feelings, you carry the weight as long as you are holding on to these feelings. These feelings are impermanent, they're passing, and by recognizing it, we can acknowledge when they arise and to see our body and what is happening. These two lessons, the impermanence of physical objects and the impermanence of thoughts, is not meant to discourage us, but it's to make us hyper-aware of the now. What we think, what we feel, what we experience at this very moment. One, there will never be another like it. Two, in such a fleeting moment, there's so much beauty and awe that exists. At this moment, every single thing that you are looking around you, every single physical object, will never ever be aligned in this physical state ever again. And yet, even acknowledging this, we allow the troubles of our past or future to take this beauty away from us. How sad is it we lose this particular moment because of something that had happened to us in the past or when we dream of a future that hasn't happened yet. In this specific moment in time, there is only the moment when we will be so many years old, with so much energy, with so much health, and so much memory. For us, it is a miracle we are who we are at this very second. And there's so many of us that have a hard time accepting this. We either lie about our age, or we lie about our weight, or our physical body. We never take an opportunity to recognize and appreciate it for what it is in its current state. I'm too fat, I'm too short, I'm too old, I'm too young. And yet we don't recognize that that feeling of whatever you are at that moment will never be like that ever again. And so why torment ourselves and lose whatever we have in the present for what has happened in the past or this future that has yet to happen. When we plan, oh, one day I'm going to do that. One day I will go visit that country. One day I'm going to say hi to him or her. 
whoever. That is never guaranteed. And everything will be impermanent and going through all of these subtle changes as well. Unfortunately, everything in life, even diamonds, cash, and people, will go on without us. And we can never take them to the grave with us, even as much as we try. <laughs> there is no guarantee that these objects, these physical manifestations of things, will somehow be with us forever. And we have to recognize that everything is on their own pace of subtle and gross changes. And so lastly, on this podcast, I kind of want to wrap up with what we can learn from death or what we can take away. One, of course, it teaches us to be more present with the current moment because there is no other moment exactly as of this moment. One, then when we say two, everything is completely different all around us, even ourselves. Second reason, second reminder, it reminds us to appreciate and to enjoy what we have, to be grateful for the things that is in our lives at this current moment. It is only when we start thinking about the past we cannot fix or the future we have yet to have that these feelings of anxiety or envy or jealousy come into play. And the third reminder, perhaps death can also remind us to take action, to do something different. Do something that we have always put off doing and even as crazy as it may seem, perhaps just try it at a smaller scale or just go for it because you're worth it. You know, all these different experiences that I have had, I feel that they are here to teach me a lesson. And especially in the case of death and in the case of my friend that had just recently passed, I... I'm still, I'm still processing it. I'm still figuring it out. And I thought that this was a very great opportunity to just kind of put my thoughts on here and to try a little different format where all of my entire script is not written up and I'm just riffing off of some notes I had scribbled down on my Evernote. In these moments, in these moments when things might be so uncertain because we have celebrities passing away that we thought were invincible or we have a virus that is all around the world and sending people to hospitals and killing people all around the world and when the whole world is so uncertain i think there's a lesson in that opportunity as well and because the world is so uncertain perhaps we are not promised the tomorrow that we always work towards why we stay so late in the office why we take on careers that we detest why we stay in relationships that we don't like why we continue education in certain majors and secondary educations like medical school being a lawyer phd or just spending time with people that don't align with what we want because that takes us away from our truth and what we ultimately want to do. And if we can take any lesson from the people that have passed or the victims of Wuhan, and, you know, they weren't expecting getting the virus. I guarantee it. I guarantee everyone who had passed from the virus did not realize what was going to happen based on where they visited, what they did. And if we look at the case of Kobe Bryant passing away with his daughter, going to a basketball game, 
and flying in a plane that they've always flown in. Uh, he wasn't expecting it. He had worked so hard all his life playing basketball, and he had retired to be with his kids, be with his wife and his daughter, who had the most bright future ahead of her, playing basketball, living up to the legacy of her father. Their futures weren't even guaranteed. And so how, how can we ever guarantee a future for us all? And it's not to say it in a very bleak manner, but I'm going to reiterate point number three, reminder number three, to just really go after something that you've always thought of, that you've always wanted to do, that you've always had in the back of your mind. Because even as crazy as it may seem to others, you are different from everyone else. You have different background, you have different genes, you have different parents, you have different childhood. You have a unique identity that is unlike anyone else. And with that identity, is it even possible to say that the way you think will be exactly like anyone else? A lot of our decisions come from our intuition, this place that is so hard to explain, but it is built over years and years and years of knowledge that we can't even explain. We have two parts of a brain, right? We have the left and the right. Left processes words. Left processes language. And the right side, this side is all based on emotion. This is all based on feelings, sentiments. And imagine all of the memories that we have built up over how many years we've been alive. And we have just as much, if not more, of that knowledge as inaudible, illegible feelings and sentiments in that part of the brain. And now I don't know if it's exact 50-50% split or whatever, but it is massive amount of information that we have lying on that side. And that is why our intuition knows so much. And we can't explain it because it's tapping into that side of our brain. But anyway, rest in peace to my father and my friends. And I am extremely eternally grateful for all of them to have been a part of my life and to also inspire me to do what I do, to continue doing the work that I do. And I hope if you have gone through any of these moments as well where you have dealt with death and passing, they're with you. They're always going to be with you for as long as you remember them and they live on your actions and they will be with you and they will guide you into the future. And with that, I hope that was really helpful. And this was a little bit of a different format. I want to make it a little bit more organic. Maybe mix up a little bit more scripting. Who knows? But trying something different. <laughs> if you like this, let me know. You can reach out to me on my Instagram at Stephen Wakabayashi. I love hearing from you and getting your feedback. And if you also have additional feedback, please leave it in iTunes reviews. Uh, the, more, the more reviews I get, the more comments I get, I get more people listening to this. And I want to share my knowledge, my wisdom, but also I have more things coming up that I would love for you to check out and hear, which are stories from other queer Asians. And if you're interested, I also publish a weekly mindfulness newsletter at mindfulmoments.substack.com. If you want to hear what's on my mind and things that I discover online that inspire me every single week. And lastly, if you enjoyed this, share it on social media and let a friend know. <laughs>
appreciate it. And so with that, so much love for you and hope your day can be a little bit more mindful. <laughs> Bye now.